Welcome to this podcast on multi-factor investing. Over the past decade, multi-factor investing in corporate bonds has seen significant development. Easier access to better data sets, along with an extensive body of research, has enabled managers to move the dial significantly. Investors can now access robust factor-based strategies, offering diversification benefits in corporate debt allocations. My name is Marije Groen, and today I'm being joined by Charles Christey, Investment Specialist for Factor Investing at BNP Paribas Asset Management. Together, Charles and I will talk about what factor investing is exactly, and more importantly, how it can be interesting for you as an investor. Charles, welcome. It's wonderful to have you. Hi, thanks for having me in this podcast. Charles, let's let's start with the basics, because this is not an easy topic. What is multi-factor investing exactly? Factor investing is essentially a security selection approach. So whether it's applied to equities or bonds, the objective is similar. You want to outperform the index by selecting securities based on some specific characteristics, which have been shown to drive the returns of securities relative to each other. Okay, clear. Well, and according to you, Charles, what are the main factors that determine the returns of a corporate bond portfolio? Well, first, generally speaking, the primary drivers of the returns of a bond portfolio are duration and credit risk, uh, which are essentially directional risks. But factor investing is about going beyond those directional risks to find the bonds that are the more likely to outperform without taking any active views on whether rates are going, going, going to go up or down. When in practice, we seek to tilt our portfolios toward the most inexpensive, profitable and well-managed companies with the lowest risk and strongest momentum. So not only does it seem intuitive as an investment philosophy, uh, it's also been shown uh, to be an efficient way to target higher risk adjusted returns over the long term. Okay, to, to illustrate this a bit more, can you tell us how you then apply those factors in your investment process? Sure. So for each of our factors, we have identified a set of specific metrics. So you can think of financial ratios that we use to score the bonds in our investment universe. So if we take value, for instance, we will look at the ratio of the credit spread of a bond to its distance to default, which is a measure of its credit risk. So the idea here is that you want to favor bonds which have a good spread or a good yield per unit of risk. And once we've computed factor scores on all the bonds in our investment universe, we will simply aim to build a portfolio of the best scored bonds while controlling for turnover and risk, of course. So the idea here is that the best scored bonds should outperform the bonds with the lowest scores. And, and how is this then differently from an actively managed uh, strategy, Charles? So it's both very similar and very different. Um, firstly, a significant component of uh, what traditional strategies do is that they take active position on duration and credit risk, or even country or sector allocation. And usually, this active positioning derives from their top-down views on the direction of the markets. Um, factor investing has no such component. It focuses purely on security selection, so duration and credit risk are kept in line with the index. And about the uh, security selection itself, Um, while the factors we use are based on financial ratios that are familiar to credit analysts and investors, we apply them systematically on the entire investment universe. So usually thousands of bonds, hundreds of issuers. As a result, we have a larger set of alpha opportunities and we may invest in bonds which are less well-known by credit analysts 
because it's virtually impossible for analysts to be able to compare hundreds of issuers in a consistent manner. I get it. Um, let's talk a bit more, uh, Charles, about uh, diversification, an, an interesting topic, because for investors considering factor investing strategies, one of the first questions they have may be, uh, how should I employ it? Uh, should I employ it as another active strategy or maybe in a category of its own? What would you say? Well, there is now a growing consensus among investors that factor-based strategy should be part of the core allocation to an asset class meaning that investors should maintain a stable strategic exposure to factor-based investments as a complement to both passive and traditional products. And it all comes down to the diversification you get in terms of the excess return and the overall risk profile. And how can you then benefit as an investor uh, from that diversification in a multi-factor portfolio? Well, we run a study on what would be the best allocation to multi-factor within a global credit portfolio. And we came up with an optimal allocation of 25 to 40%, depending on the market. So roughly one third of the portfolio invested in multi-factor. Of course, that may vary depending on what other strategies you have in the portfolio. But this is where a correlation analysis will provide you with a better idea of what would be the optimal allocation. Clear. Um, sustainability, a very important uh, topic, uh, increasingly important for investors. Uh, how do you make sure that you integrate ESG in your portfolios? Yeah, sustainability considerations are at the core of our investment approach. And in practice, what we do in our corporate bond portfolio is integrate ESG and carbon-related data into our portfolio construction itself. So we start by excluding from our investment universe the issuers that are among the worst in terms of ESG rating, because we believe these companies bear the higher risk, both in terms of reputation and financial performance. But we go beyond simple exclusions, and we input non-financial criteria into the bond selection itself. The ESG scores are fed into our portfolio construction tool in order to build portfolio that significantly improve the sustainability profile compared to the benchmark. And we also use carbon data as input and target a reduction of 50% of the carbon footprint relative to the index. Mm. So it's clear you integrate ESG into your portfolio, but how do you manage to mix then the sustainability goals with the objective, of course, ultimately uh, to outperform the benchmark? Yeah, obviously we, we aim to outperform the benchmark and we also believe that integrating sustainability goals allows us to enhance and preserve value for clients over the long term. That being said, it's essential that the sustainability objectives should be integrated in a manner that is consistent with the investment process. And one of the key benefits of multi-factor strategies is their ability to operate on a very large investment universe to maximize alpha opportunities. And this is why we chose not to rely only on exclusions, but implement ESG as an additional objective of the bond selection. That way, we still get to keep roughly 90% of our initial investment universe, but we also bring a measurable improvement in terms of sustainability to our investors. And do you see any risks when it comes to integrating ESG, Shell? Well, I think investors uh, should pay strong attention to the robustness of the ESG scoring methodology that is used. Because if you're not careful, it's easy to generate unwanted biases. For example, larger companies can be advantaged just because they are more likely to report more ESG data or, of course, you can introduce large biases in terms of sectors. Um, at BNP Paribas Asset Management, we have developed an ESG scoring framework that is primarily sector-relative, reflecting the fact that ESG risks and opportunities are not always comparable across sectors and regions. However, two universal issues that impact all companies 
are not score relative to peers, and these are carbon footprint and controversies. And this introduces deliberate tilt that reflects investment risk for the most export sectors. Mm. Let's talk a bit more about risk and return. Um, how do you manage to outperform the benchmark without taking any additional risks? Well, multi-factor investing is about creating outperformance without deviating from the benchmark in terms of risk. And this is based on the fact that the factors we use have been shown to be able to generate alpha through bank selection only. But the uh, question can be, what underpins the existence of durable multi-factor alpha? This, we believed, is linked to several characteristics of the market. First, the structure of the market itself, where market participants can have different objectives. You can think of a central bank, for example, or investment horizons. Secondly, investment decisions are not always fully rational. And this is linked to the uh, behavioral theory of finance. And in other words, investment decisions may not reflect all the information available in the market at a given time. For instance, because investors may exhibit biases in how they invest, you can think of um, familiarity bias or confirmation bias uh, as uh, some examples of that. And finally, a third reason that might explain why alpha opportunities exist is that investors are constrained. The theory of efficient markets suppose that investors are able to do a number of things, such as using leverage, having short positions. But in practice, most investors are not able to do it. And this, uh, combined with also constraints in terms of rating or regions, uh, generates some opportunities to create alpha from multi-factor strategies. Mm. And, and how do you then determine the optimal combinations of multi-factor and traditional for that best risk return? So the best way to determine the allocation to multi-factor and traditional investments is to look at how their respective excess returns are correlated. Obviously, this depends on the manager selection specific to each investor, but our analysis have shown that over the long term, uh, correlation are very low. And another parameter to take into account is not only the long-term correlations, but also correlations during extreme events. And we have had several episodes of market stress in recent years. And diversification across different managers and investment styles is essential to avoid large drawdowns when market conditions deteriorate. So we believe that although it was kind of a one-off event, the COVID crisis was a good illustration of that phenomenon and multi-factor strategies have proven very robust and valuable when markets fell sharply last year. Right. And another one of the learnings from the COVID crisis, right? Um, I, I want to thank you for being here with me today, uh, Charles. We're we already reaching the end of this uh, podcast. Uh, and thank you for telling us more about factor investing. Um, it is definitely not an easy topic for, for many of us. So as a final question, um, I want to ask you if you were to summarize the key points that you would like um, our listeners to remember from today, what would they be? Sure. So my main message would be that factor-based investing is not as complex as it might seem. It's essentially about creating outperformance through issuer selection and based on proven factors. So this is a pure bottom-up approach, complementary from what you get from more traditional managers. And in the case of our products, it also incorporates sustainability objectives, both in terms of overall ESG score and carbon footprint reduction. Okay. Thank you so much for this interview, Shell. Thank you. You listened to a podcast on multi-factor investing. 
I would like to thank today's guest, Charles Cresteil, investment specialist at BNP Paribas Asset Management, for his time and his insights. This podcast is offered to you by BNP Paribas Asset Management. If you'd like to learn more about multi-factor investing, please visit bnpparibasintermediate-am.com. For more podcasts, please visit the Fonds News website, fondsnews.nl forward slash podcast. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.